John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And, of course, we made it through another week as we uh, head into the weekend, which is week nine in the National Football League. And sad to see that uh, no Husky game. It was you know, kind of weird because uh, we talked about it with Graz yesterday. Uh, and right before the announcement came out, like two minutes after we got off the show, that the Husky game against Cal is going to be uh, canceled. Again, not postponed, canceled, because, again, there's no wiggle room. And this is, again, the lack of leadership with the Pac-12 deciding, hey, we're going to go ahead and uh, – have a season starting November 8th and have no wiggle room. And so that's bad. And now what you have to wonder is that, you know, Cal, because of the positive tests that they have, you know, they may have to wait 14 days to be able to go ahead and get uh, get anything done as far as get players back in the field. So there's a chance right now that Cal could lose two games. And, you know, all through the college, as good as it's been for college football, you know, you're still having cancellations, postponements, you name it. That's just all part of the deal. So let's get part of the deal right now with the five biggest stories of the day number one they move around they do a great job um playing defense and just they're really aggressive they're they're great defense they've been you know really great the past few years really um and how they've played you know as a collective group and so they got a lot of you know talented players on that defense from you know on the defensive line to the linebackers to the secondary they do so many great things and uh it's gonna be a, a great challenge for us for sure yeah, and it's going to be a challenge. I know that the talk this morning, I was all with Danny and Gallant. It's like, okay, is this their toughest game? And I'd still say no, because I know that on record, the Bills are 6-2, and two, and they are uh, the likely winners, in fact, easy winners of the AFC East. But, you know, how much is that 6-2 and two record the benefit of the, uh, you know, the fact that they are in the AFC? And, you know, they've got a defense right now that's not performing as well. And so, uh, as it did last year, in the last couple years, I mean, what, they're now more of a, a mid-scale type defense as opposed to a top five top two type defense and so that's going to give it weather's not going to be a problem it's going to be sunny and 64 degrees that has to be positive and of course you know guys are going to be coming back from the defense that is going to help this team out and so i'd have to say right now this is going to be a challenge it's probably going to be a high scoring type of game you know the one thing that uh, josh allen can do because he's a gunslinger is that he can heave it but then heave it downfield but and of late in the first four games he was great I mean, you're talking about he was up there in in that Russell Wilson MVP type category, but it hasn't been the same of late. And so, you know, will they get the uh, September Josh Allen or the October? And now it's November. uh, uh, Josh Allen. We'll see about that. Certainly the big challenge is going to be stopping the three receivers that they have because, you know, Stephon Diggs has been phenomenal uh, since that trade has happened. They've got probably one of the three most talented uh, trios of wide receivers in football. John Brown has great speed. Certainly uh, Cody, uh, uh, you know, Cole Beasley. uh, Cole is one that uh, is really good in the slot and kind of like their Julian Edelman type of guy. So this should be an interesting game. Of course, the game is going to start at 7 a.m. with the pregame on Sunday here in 710 ESPN Seattle. Game time will be 10 o'clock. And again, you know, Seattle with Pete Carroll have been very good with these 10 a.m. starts on the East Coast. This will be another challenge, but so far so good. But we'll see how it goes on Sunday. Number two. Yeah, he's had a great week. Uh, he was really ready to go. We're waiting to see what happens with uh, you know, how Chris Carson feels after working, you know, on, on this Friday. Uh, see how how he is. Uh, we want to see. Um, Dunlap looks like like he made it through and he's ready to go. Uh, the, probably um, it's going to be hard for Shaquille to get back out there, coming off a concussion and a hamstring. 
Um, so there's, there's a few guys we won't have. But, you know, our guys stepped up really well last week. We'll count on that again. And whoever's got plays, you know, they've got to do a good job for the rest of the fellas. Yeah, that's going to be uh, the big challenge right now to come back from the injuries. And so it doesn't look good for Shaquille Griffin. He's got the concussion and the hamstring. So, <laughs> so that means that, you know, Trey Flowers will get a chance to start. And, you know, they'll have, uh, you know, DJ Reed probably in the slot because Ugo Amadi's not going to be there. Carson's still going to go up to game time, I guess. They're going to see how it goes on Friday to see how that midfoot sprain is going to be. Carlos Hyde, of course, not going to be able to go. Uh, don't know about Mikey Potty with that back injury. He didn't practice yesterday. Uh, David Moore's been fighting a little bit of an ankle and a back injury so he missed some practice as far as who's going to be able to be in there looks good for Jamal Adams with the groin injury Ryan Neal with the hip Greg Olson because they were limited yesterday he has the foot so he should be okay DJ Reed should be okay with the hamstring and of course Travis Homer with the knee much better than he was last week number three obviously disappointing day uh, for us I'm sick for our, our players and feel for them. I feel for the guys at Washington. Everybody was looking forward to this game. Everybody's really excited to play. Uh, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, quite honestly. We take the virus seriously and have done have done so for seven months. The uh, one positive test resulted in several players being held out due to contact tracing. And uh, among that several, several players was an entire position group, which made it uh, impossible for us to to play a game tomorrow. So that's Justin Wilcox talking about uh, on Thursday afternoon saying that the game will not be played and of course it'll be canceled because of the one positive player and of course all the guys in quarantine and the quarantine is now 14 games and the high risk quarantine in the NFL is 10, 5 if it's not high risk and so uh, that's not going to be able to take place and I don't know, it can't be made up at this stage it's not going to be good. According to the Pac-12 the decision was made under the Pac-12 football game cancellation policy due to Cal not having a minimum number of scholarship players available for the game as a result of the positive test that was done and resulting isolation of additional football players and student athletes under the contact tracing protocols. So that's not good and so now you have to wait for the start of this season wait to find out how Jimmy Lake is going to do also now have to wait till next week because uh, it'll be the season opener against Oregon State. So kind of a tough break. Uh, sad uh, for Pac-12 and sad for the University of Washington and for Cal. Number four. Very, very appreciative of all the people that made this possible in, in this uh, environment. I mean, so much went into it. You know, countless names. Um, most proud of the, uh, the way the players handed, handled since spring ball, really. And the guys who are who are still standing. I just left practice with them, and they're they're excited. They're ready to go, and I'm, I'm happy for them. I really am because this hasn't been easy on them. No, no. Uh, so Washington State coach Nick Rolovich will make his debut. That's going to be tomorrow against Oregon State, and they're going to start a true freshman uh, quarterback in Jaden DeLaurin, who is uh, going to start against Oregon State. That decision was made this week. And so DeLorean becomes the first freshman in the program history to start the season opener and only the third ever to start a game as a true freshman. Drew Bledsoe and Jeff Toole were the other two. The preseason Pac-12 media pool projected the Cougars to finish sixth in the Pac-12 North with Oregon State being number five. But they want to get off to the good start and try to get the win. And so uh, Rolovich comes in with glowing reviews 
as far as how good he can be as a head coach, good offensive mind, all those different things. The pregame is going to be on Saturday night. It's going to be at 5.30. You'll be able to hear that on 710 ESPN Seattle. The kickoff will be at 7.30. And so it's going to be Washington State taking on Oregon State in what's going to be a uh, interesting football game. Number five. Rogers surveys the field. He's looking. He's going deep down the middle. Got a man wide open. That's caught at the two. Into the end zone for a touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was all by his lonesome. Rodgers puts it up. Valdez-Scantling with a catch. A 52-yard touchdown strike. And the Packers lead it 20-3. So it turned out as expected to be a blowout for the Green Bay Packers over the San Francisco 49ers. And that's mainly because the fact that uh, you know the 49ers had so many players that were either out because of COVID's uh, testing or because of the injuries, and it was really ugly. I mean, you can see that Nick Mullins looked terrible at the quarterback position. The replacement for Trent Williams, the left tackle, gave up three sacks, and of course, Williams, of course, had uh, been quarantined because he had been around uh, Kendrick Bourne, who had the positive test earlier this week, and so that was bad. And they had nothing at the wide receiver position. Brandon Ayuk was out there, uh, was out of the game because of you know, COVID 19. Again, he didn't test positive. But he was out, and so this was an absolute mess. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams just chewed up the San Francisco defense. Rodgers had 304 yards and four touchdowns. Adams had 10 catches, 173 yards, and one touchdown. And now uh, in the last three games, Adams has six touchdown passes, but I think he made a little bit of a mistake. After the game, he proclaimed he's the best wide receiver in football. Uh, have you heard of a guy named uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, with the Arizona Cardinals? How about Michael Thomas? I know he's injured, but uh, in the New Orleans Saints, is Devontae Adams the best? No, but he claims to be the best. But I'll tell you what, he did such a good job with the 10 catches, 173 yards in that 34-17 to victory. And so now the Packers are 6-2, and two, and the 49ers saying goodbye to the playoffs, most likely. Next week, they have New Orleans, and they're not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not going to have... George Kittle. In fact, who knows what they're going to have. I mean, uh, how about this number? $79 million of uh, cap room is tied up. $79 million on injured players, guys on COVID, all those different things. You know, they have 24 players on the uh, you know on reserve list, You know, whether it's injured reserve or all those different things. It is an absolute mess. Hey, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go into further review and uh, talk about the new reinforcements coming to the team on defense for the Seahawks. That's under further review next. John Clayton, 17, 710 ESPN Seattle. Under Further Review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Well, time to go under further review right now. And, of course, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, each week it tends, particularly on all teams, to see who's going to be active and who's not going to be active. And that's because the, uh, you know, with either COVID testing, COVID uh, protocol, all those different things, and also injuries, you just don't know. And last week was even more of a mystery because here you didn't have uh, Jamal Adams. He didn't make it back on defense. And, you know, they didn't have Benson Mayoa. They didn't have Shaquille Griffin. I mean, there were so many players that were key that weren't able to play. But uh, it should be a little bit better this week. Now, again, uh, you know, Pete Carroll did talk to Dave Wyman earlier today and, you know, pretty much said it doesn't look good for Shaquille Griffin. But you have to anticipate 
state that you know Benson Mayowa should be able to go. We know that Jamal Adams is going to be there. Uh, you know that uh, Carlos Dunlap is going to make his debut. Uh, DJ Reed fought through a little bit of an injury, but he's going to be out there. Uh, they'll have uh, probably Damon Snacks Harrison for the first time. And so all of a sudden, it's getting beefed up again, and that's going to be good. And DJ Reed, of course, was a big surprise in how well he was able to do. So now, what will the reinforcements do to the defense? Michael Bumpus talked about it when he was on with Danny and Gallant. What's the adjustment period going to be like for the defense, bringing back a guy from injury in Jamal Adams? Because I imagine there's going to be somewhat of a feeling out process, for both for Adams just being out there after a couple of weeks of being on the sidelines, but also working in two new players, in Snacks Harrison and in Carlos Dunlap. Well, on the line, I don't think it'll be too difficult on the line, Paul. I think it's a rotation. Guys don't play every single snap on that defensive line anyway. And then on the defensive line, it's not like you have to draw up something so intricate to get these guys to make plays. It's really just be the guy over you. Now, at that safety spot, that's where you can be creative. You can walk him down the box. You can you can drop him into a zone. He can blitz the A gap. He can go around the C or the D gap. But I already think they have packages for that. I think as soon as they signed Jamal Adams, they got into a room and say, look, how are we going to use this guy? Let's look at his film in New York with the Jets. How did they use him? What is he good at? With Jamal, I think it's, it's just going to be plug and play. Here you go. You're back. But... We're not going to give you all the snaps right away because you're coming off a groin injury and, and that will disable you. Groins are nothing to play with. And you have Ryan Neal, who's been playing well anyway. So you don't need to get him in on every single snap. It's more of a check with me. All right, here you got three or four plays. You're off. Check with me. How you feeling? Go talk to the doctor. You know, how, how are you moving? The guys are looking at him from, uh, from the booth up top. As the game goes along, I think by the third quarter, they'll have an idea of how healthy he really is and what he can and can't handle. Yeah, and of course, that's going to be the big interesting thing in this game <laughs> is how they're going to handle the defense because, you know, they should get a little bit better rush, you know, with, uh, you know, Carlos Dunlap and also Benson Mayoa out there. But uh, you also have to kind of think, okay, as far as Dunlap and maybe even Snacks Harrison, they're going to be limited in a number of plays, maybe as few as 15 to 20. <clears throat> and if you're going to be the Seahawks, I mean, do you really want to rush out uh, Dunlap to play too much? Because, again, it's, it's his first week with the team, all those different things. And so that's going to be the challenge. But, you know, the, the big thing is trying to take advantage of winning some battles on the defensive line. You know, at some point it would be nice if the team would be able to rush four, drop seven, do those different things. But at the moment it's just not in the cards. You know, it's like you saw the same thing last year. It was very difficult to do because, you know, you can rush four, but the problem is if they can't get to the quarterback, it's going to really hurt and it's going to set up Josh Allen having ability to make some big plays downfield, and you don't want that to happen. You would anticipate there's going to be a little bit more zone defense, but also you can anticipate with Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner, particularly with Wagner having the success he had last week and getting defensive player of the week in the NFC with his blitzing, you know, Adams and Wagner are going to be a threat to blitz at any time, if not both. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see. And, of course, you want to have protections there. That's why uh, Quandre Diggs at free safety can at least protect the middle of the field. Jamal Adams, of course, is going to play all over the place. And uh, that's going to be a great show that I would have to think overall <clears throat> should look good. And so, uh, you know, the defense stepped up last week despite, you know, really – for the most part, on, on the uh, Leo side, having two rookies. 
And of course, you know, Alton Robinson did a good job last week. He's the fifth round pick. And then of course you have uh, Stephon uh, Stevens, you know, the tight end who, you know, by a two week period had to learn to play defensive end and he made a couple good plays. And so I don't know, Curtis, it's like, uh, what what kind what kind of defense do you think you're going to see when they're going to be out on the field on Sunday in Buffalo? It, it feels to me, John, like the Seahawks have moved past the worst of it when it comes to their defense. When yeah, I would say the Cardinals game was probably the worst we've seen their defense play all season long. Uh, also, maybe the Cowboys game. I think those two games really stand out to me as the worst of it from what we've seen uh, from this defense. I think it's going to be a better effort. I don't know if they're going to be able to match what they did against the 49ers. I think a, a big part of the 49ers' ineffectiveness last week was just Jimmy Garoppolo looking terrible for three quarters. He was brutal out there. Josh Allen is a much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo has been this season. But I don't expect Buffalo to rack up you know, 500 yards. I don't expect them to put up a Cardinals-like effort on this Seahawks team. And, and weather will not be a, a factor on Sunday. It's going to be 64 and sunny in Buffalo, which is a rarity this late into the season. Normally, you're going to see snow flurries in Buffalo in, in November. But to me, I think with Carlos Dunlap playing, who knows how much he's going to play. I, I can't imagine he's going to get a full pitch count. I, I can't imagine Snacks Harrison's going to get a full pitch count. But I think those guys are going to play enough to where their impact will be felt, where their presence is going to be felt. And obviously, Jamal Adams, he can be out there for all the plays or half the plays. And even if he is out there for you know a shortened period of time, his presence will absolutely be felt because that's just the kind of player he is. Whenever he gets out on the field, he's going to go 100 miles an hour. There's no ability within himself to press that to press the break. He is somebody that's going to make plays regardless of his health, regardless of uh, you know how he may have felt the weeks leading up to the game. That's somebody who's going to make plays. And I think with Jamal Adams out there, uh, I think he's going to have the biggest impact on Seattle's defense, even though Dunlap and Harrison are two tremendous pieces Seattle has added to the uh, defensive line, and they haven't really given up hardly anything for both of them. Uh, but Jamal Adams is such a difference maker. I think his health this season is going to be the difference between Seattle maybe being a great playoff team in the NFC and potentially going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no doubt. And that's why, again, the key is coming out and you know getting to victory yards given up or regardless because again it just sets everything up i mean everybody knew this was going to be the toughest stretch of the season four division games buffalo on the road and an early start that was not going to be easy but you know you got to see because again i think that most people now start to think, okay, this team continues to win despite the defense and the yards given up. And then you saw in the Arizona game, that was the education is that, uh-oh, if you end up uh, you know, giving up too much and if Russell Wilson makes a rare mistake, it could end up costing you a game. And so that's why uh, this is a this is going to be an interesting road game. And so far, so good for the Seahawks and being able to do so many good things. <clears throat> Again, the one road game they lost was in Arizona, but they have a chance to make that back up in a couple of weeks when Arizona comes here to Seattle. But I think that you know this defense, uh, you know, it should perform better because it has more things there, particularly with the addition of a former Pro Bowler and Carlos Dunlap and a very good run-stopping defensive tackle in Damon Snacks Harrison. I agree, John. When you look at this defense, do you think its worst days are behind it? Do you think that it, it 
do you think it's going to be smooth sailing, or do you think there might be a little bit of bumpiness? Oh, there's going to be bumpiness. I think <clears throat> to think any other way, uh, that's not going to be the case. And again, it's bumpy until the pass rush becomes more consistent, because you know that's been two years in a row right now. I mean, you can see that this will be a year and a half now where uh, you know they just have not got the pass rush. I mean, is it better? Well, I mean, you can see that they've got 12 sacks, and I don't know if you saw the story out of Tennessee that uh, you know. We'll see if Vic Beasley is going to be an option to sign here at the NFL minimum or if, uh, you know, J- Jadevian Clowney and they, of course, the two of them have combined for no sacks on a team in Tennessee that has only seven sacks. <clears throat> Clowney may miss some time because of a knee injury. So I, I, when I went through all the rest of the league and, you know, other than Emmanuel Ogba and Alden Smith, most of the pass rushers that were available aren't getting the sacks. This team needs the sacks. They absolutely do. That's how the game is is won and lost on the defensive line, it feels like, in 2020, especially with how great quarterback production has been across the league. If you can disrupt that other quarterback, your defense is going to be in for a good day. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Cody Barton, linebacker who is really talented, really good, a lot of good things we'll talk about with him. He comes up next. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Play fake, Cousins going to throw. Gets hit in the backfield, tries to fight his way through, and he does. And now he gets hammered by Cody Barton. Cousins somehow broke free from Jaron Reed, and as soon as he turned around and started to run, Cody Barton leveled him. Joining us is Cody Barton, linebacker, and who's having you know a decent start to the season, and of course the defense still trying to come together. And Cody, first off, big picture, how different is this defense compared to last year's defense as far as the uh, what 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 we're doing as far as blitzing and everything else? Yeah, I just feel this year, you know, especially within the last week, you know, we've gotten a lot more aggressive, and I feel like just just the energy of the team as a whole is just more aggressive and just more. Just a higher level of energy, I guess you could say, but um, you know, it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. What What do you like most about this? Because I mean, it's funny because the, before you got here, this was the Legion of Boom. This was a team that was pretty well settled in the secondary, and that's where the leadership is. But now the leadership is coming from the linebacking core. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just honestly, I just like how close everyone is to the defense, and just I mean, I guess the whole team too, but just. I mean, if one guy's making a play, it feels like the whole team just made a play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just everyone, everyone's just so close, and the team's so tightly knitted. I mean, that's that's what I love about it. Yeah, and of course, I mean, you saw that right right from the beginning when you got here. I mean, that's 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 the one thing that I think oh, has yeah. been a constant. Yeah. Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, is it different now that uh, you know it's not like just mostly three linebackers, a little more mixed with uh, nickel and things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, the game's just kind of going that way. I'm kind of actually used to more of the nickel stuff coming out of the, you know, the Pac-12, where it's all, you know, just passing the ball like crazy, you know. So, um, like when I came here, the fourth, how four three was, is more that was more four to me versus the nickel stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's it's different right now, and of course, uh, and again, that's and that's the thing. It's like and maybe you can explain this to everybody, you know, because I mean, coming out of college more than a year ago, I mean, you you know, you saw the changes and how defenses try to do things, and I think what you're also seeing in the NFL now, NFL is adapting more things that college is doing to face the mobile quarterbacks and to face the spread offenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's 
it's interesting and it's it's cool to see how um you know teams are adjusting to that and how defenses are adjusting to it and the things that they play and how they play the zone read or whatever it is you want to the rpo or whatever you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um yeah i definitely think the game is going that way yeah, no doubt, and it's. I tell you what, though, it's, I'd imagine week in and week out, and this is not just in Seattle. Every place, it's got to be tough to see you know all these offensive numbers coming up. You know, mainly because you know there's no holding calls for the most part. In fact, I counted there's only 17 holding calls marched off last week. So there's virtually no holding calls. Uh, quarterbacks can stay in the rhythm because they don't have those uh, bad uh, you know penalty killers that drive killers that stop drives. I mean, sacks are down right now. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, that's just part of this, you know, being as a player, just being able to adapt and, and, you know, change with the change with the things that that come, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but that that is the one thing, because, again, it is so different. How much fun was it watching Bobby Wagner have the uh, game that he had on Sunday where he ended up getting Defensive Player of the Week? That was fun to watch. It was cool to see him make his plays. And, and when he's out there, I really watch him and just how, he, how he's able to find his way through things and make his plays. And so it was uh, – I liked watching him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I think everybody did, and of course, uh, you know, it just shows you how talented he is. And you know, and it was also the great the week before because I don't know, may, may, my, I might be reading this wrong, but I thought that was Bobby Wagner's best game of his career, and I thought the week before that, KJ Wright had the best uh, game of his career. Yeah, I mean, both these are playing good, so you know, those are the leaders in our room, and. And I mean, you know, a lot of respect from those guys, and they're, and they're playing good right now. So I'm just going to learn as much as I can from those guys. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, how, well, I guess the one change that's happened now, not just maybe a little bit before you got here, but uh, you know, particularly you're going through a stretch. You know, once you get back into the division games, is that now with the 49er offense, the Rams offense, it's no longer a game where it's played between the numbers and the hash marks. It's a game right now that's played almost sideline to sideline. And for a linebacker like you and the speed this team has at linebacker, what what kind of a challenge is that? Are you talking about the sideline to sideline stuff? Yeah. Every inch, yeah, as, as, I know John Lynch. I talked to John Lynch last week, and he says under Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is different from when John was playing, he's like they go every blade of grass is in play, particularly on the running game. Yeah, I mean, I personally I like the sideline to sideline stuff. You know, that's because mainly that's what I've faced most of my life, and you know, I use my speed to my advantage. But um, you know, it's just it's interesting because you know every team presents a new challenge and every team's going to have their own little flavor of how they do things. And so, like I was saying earlier, that's just the adaptability of, of players these days. And, and, you know, each week is going to be a new little style, little flavor or call it what you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, no doubt. What, what, what do you see from uh, the Buffalo bills and their offense? What challenges are they presenting? You know, they got, they got two good running backs. I actually played with uh, Zach Moss in, at Utah for about three years. They got two solid running backs. The quarterback is good. Everyone knows who the quarterback is. You know, they got a good receiving core and some threats out of there. And so, you know, overall, I thought they're, they're a good team. You know, they, they're balanced between running and passing. So, you know, just overall, it's a solid football team that, um, you know, we're not to, we're not to prepare for and, and, you know, play our game. Yeah, I, I know that. I don't know if you heard this. Uh, I heard this. Can't verify it, but uh, you might have been able to do this in conversation with Zach. But uh, I think the Seahawks had legitimate interest in Zach Moss in the draft. 
I'll have to ask somebody. I'll have to ask Zach or someone I see him, you know, at the game, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but but again, I mean, describe him because again, he's a big, powerful back. Yeah, he's he's a little shorter. I give him I I give him like five ten. But no, I'm just I'm just messing. But no, he is he's strong. You know, he's he's a he's a muscled up dude. He's, he's got good balance and good strong legs, and so uh, you got to bring him when you tackle him. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you another thing. I'm just noticing this year. Uh, this has been an exceptional year for special teams. I mean, this uh, I don't know how it ranks right now, but uh, to my opinion, particularly with what's going on on you know kickoff returns and pat and punt return and kickoff coverage and uh, kickoff and punt coverage. I mean, this is about as best as this team has been. What's come together in that regard? I think that just comes across as everyone. You know, it's it's funny. Like we're on the field, we're actually all competing against each other to see who's going to get to the ball first and make the play and. And we're just having fun with it. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, it's, it's been a blast playing those teams this year. And so, I mean, we just got to keep that going. And, and yeah. Well, that's the one thing, too, is like, it seems like one or two times a game, you know, particularly, you know, on either a kick or a punt or like that, there is just a big legal hit on whoever's getting that ball. Yeah. I mean, and so we're all, we're all trying to see each game, you know, who's going to have that big hit and, and, uh, you know, like I said earlier, we're all just trying to fly down there and compete for that and see who's going to smack somebody. What's the challenge with Josh Allen? You know, he, he's got a good arm, can throw it deep. And so, you know, you got to take away his pass game, but then we, when he runs, too, he's a, he's a tall, big, strong dude you got to be able to bring down. And so, and he's mobile, good in the pocket, can, can escape things. And so, I mean, overall, just, you know, he's got a lot of weapons and. You know, this, this is what the defense has got to play as a whole unit. No doubt. And, of course, uh, the one upgrade that they did make is getting Stefan Diggs as a receiver. And now they, I think most people consider them to have one of the top three or four three-receiver teams in football. Yeah. Like I said earlier, you know, they got they got weapons across the board, the running backs, receivers, stuff like that. And so, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun game to watch, and of course a big challenge. And of course, if you win this one, I mean, you're in such great shape because you have a legitimate chance. You're five and zero in non-division games to maybe go nine and one or ten and zero in non-division games, which really sets up for a number one seed and a great season. Yeah, you know, it's just another another road game that you know we we like to we like to say we dominate the road games, and so that's just gonna that's our mindset and the things we're gonna keep on working with. And finally, what is what do you think Pete Carroll has found in having such great success on 10 a.m. starts West Coast time when you're in the East? Because you know he's done this better than any coach that I've seen in the National Football League to do it. What, what what's the big thing that works in that regard? When we're traveling East Coast, mm-hmm. just the, just the times that we travel and how how the days are laid out. You know, when we go East Coast, we're gonna leave two days before, and so. It's all about the time we leave and arrive and when we wake up the next day and how our schedules are laid out. And so I can be as fresh as possible with that, with that big time change. That's great. Hey, Cody, congratulations. It's going to be a fun game to watch on Sunday, and congratulations for the season. Okay, thank you very much. That's Cody Barton, of course, uh, does a good job as far as special teams, as far as playing linebacker, all those different things. And, you know, this team is very, very deep at the linebacker position. Hey, be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we'll catch you up on the National Football League going behind the lines. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. 
It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. You know, before we get into some of the 49er talk and uh, some of the things going on in the league, it's like, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of put this out there for everybody because everybody is panicked right now. We're seeing all the guys going on the COVID test list and everything else. But uh, you also have to be kind of accurate on this stuff. And again, I know what 33 players have been put on the COVID list since Monday. That's when Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback for the Baltimore Ravens, you know, tested positive. But the one thing to realize, and this is where the adjustments are with the uh, way they have the protocols, is that if you're in close contact or if you're in high risk uh, contact with a player who has a positive test, then you have to be on the COVID list for five days. And if you have symptoms, then you might be out 10 days. But, you know, where everybody, you look at the 33 and there's been more added today. You know, Cincinnati had two, uh, you know, I think as many as 15 teams have had some kind of a thing this week. The average has stayed the same as far as positive tests for players. I mean, for four consecutive weeks, it's been only eight eight positive tests. What's increased now is the extra precaution that the league is demanding for the uh, COVID tests, you know, COVID people making sure that they're away, isolated, doing all those things. But when you think about that, it's like uh, eight a week hasn't been bad. Now, this week it may trigger to be a little bit more, but, you know, one player can take out, as it saw for at least a short period of time, the offensive line. That happened when Trenton Brown tested positive, when actually Trent uh, tested positive again this week and had all kind of problems, and they had to shut down the line until the until Saturday, and they were able to play the next day for the f- five offensive linemen. But that's a thing, Curtis. It's like everybody's thinking, oh, boy, you got to cancel these games, move things back. I mean, there was a talk you know, for last night's game against San Francisco with the Green Bay Packers because the Packers had one positive test and three other players that were on the COVID's list, and the 49ers had you know, Kendrick Bourne had the positive test, and so they had to put three players on the COVID's list that's like oh boy you got eight well really the count was only two well yeah and then Kendrick Bourne today tested negative uh, for two days in a row which means he's eligible to return so was Bourne actually positive when he first tested remains to be seen because you look at the numbers uh, I think it was Ed Werder or Adam Schefter one of the two tweeted out that 98 percent of players that test positive on the first test and test negative on the second test are actually positive. Well, it turns out Kendrick Bourne is among that 2% uh, that wasn't actually negative on the on the third test. So very interesting to see Kendrick Bourne uh, and, and that whole situation get played out because I know there was a lot of you – know, there was a potential NFL investigation into Bourne uh, saying, you know, oh, maybe he wasn't wearing his mask properly around the 49ers facility. He wasn't really sticking to COVID protocols. Well, if he's negative, then I I would imagine the NFL won't have to do any sort of investigation because, well, he 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 does not have COVID, and that kind of paints a, a sticky situation for the NFL. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And so, uh, you know, I I kind of look at the uh, that and say, well, and of course we have the incident with the Las Vegas Raiders that have had numerous violations, and they finally had to pay the price. Uh, John Gruden, he got a big fine. The Raiders got a big fine. They took away a sixth round draft choice, and you go through all the incidents, you know. 
Trenton Brown didn't have his mask on, you know, around the time that, you know, he got the positive tests. And so his tracing did not turn out to be good. He had the incident where uh, one of the players had a charity event and about nine or 10 Raiders went there and uh, including the quarterback, Derek Carr, they didn't have masks on. And so that didn't turn out to be good. You know, Gruden's had the fines for not having the mask on all the time during the uh, games. And so, uh, you know, they had to pay the price and now end up losing a sixth round pick. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just a tale of, of organizations here, one taking it not so seriously, and the 49ers able to take it seriously and, and figure out what exactly it was that, that uh, you know, was going to potentially throw a wrench in their game. They no longer have that, uh, you know, that cloud, I guess, hanging over, and they can move on over the next couple of weeks. But, John, it's Friday. It's injury report day, the, the last injury report before Sunday's games. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, probably the biggest name coming off the injury report. It looks like he's going to play for the Panthers. Who are some other guys that we should expect to see play to, on Sunday, even though they've been uh, battling the injury well, the way it's, The way it's going to be is like a, the more not than – uh, play we still don't know about Michael Thomas that, that's going to be one to continue to follow for the big game you know with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints uh you know it does it doesn't uh, we 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 I know Gardner Minshew's not going to be able to play so they're going to go with uh what Jake Luton or whatever some some drafted guy that uh, you've never heard of so he's going to be out there uh you know a lot of the new guys coming back haven't been designated as yet but McCaffrey I think without doubt is the biggest name that's going to come back now I don't think it's going to make a difference right now because the Panthers really aren't a playoff team and you know they're going to at the best case scenario maybe get to six seven wins seven wins maybe more likely but that's that's going to go but I think you have to look at you know where it's going to go for New Orleans I mean I know that Buffalo just put in their injury list and their center Mitch Morris is going to be out because of a concussion Matt Milano their linebacker continues to be out he's been fighting an injury for three or four weeks and of course we'll wait to see how the Seahawks do. I'll tell you one thing on the defensive thing and I know I've been working on this the last couple days is that uh, you know I'm amazed how little production little sack numbers have come because remember you know how long did we have to put up with the uh, clowny or bust thought if you don't get clowny the season's going to be a bust <clears throat> and of course clowny goes down with Vic Beasley to the Tennessee Titans at 22 and a half million dollars don't have a sack the Titans only have seven sacks and I was looking at the numbers right now they're giving up 61.9 percent conversion rates on third down and so uh, and clowny may miss some time here it's going to be a game time decision because of his knee and it doesn't look good he didn't practice today and so you know I was going through and it's like okay uh, I'll, I'll give you the numbers, and if you wish to jump in and sync what you think, how many sacks do you think Dante Fowler got on his fifteen million dollar a year contract? I'm I'm going to guess one, two, yeah, two, not a lot. That's the same as Benson Mayoa and I think what Jamal Adams. Okay, how about uh, you know uh, Robert Quinn, you know who ended up being a linebacker going over to Chicago? Um, probably one, two, about two. two. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, really, and Emmanuel Ogba of the Miami Dolphins, who's a linebacker, but in Kansas City, he was a 4-3 defensive end. I mean, he has probably the best at 7.5. And, And, you know, you've got Alden Smith, who came out after missing five years. You know, he's up at about five. But really, when you look at defensive ends that went to different teams, you really don't have many that have sacks. Yeah, John, how much do you think it is just the 
uniqueness of the past offseason in the NFL, how much do you think it was that these guys weren't able to get time with their teams, whether it be minicamp or, or just practicing you know, as during the summertime? How much do you think it was that, or, or is it just these guys came to shape or came to camp out of shape, or in Jadevian Clowney's case, just didn't even come to camp? Yeah, I think it's more the uh, the way the game has changed this year, you know, because of the non holding calls, the fact that uh, you know quarterbacks are more mobile, the fact that uh, you know quarterbacks now can you know almost use the entire field as opposed to inside the numbers, and so it's almost as if you know. the emphasis is to get a better inside pass rush to get the quarterback if you can keep the quarterback in the pocket. And so that's why the guys like Aaron Donald and others have a chance to to do and get more sacks and maybe some of the pass rushers. It's been pretty interesting to watch how these pass rushers, the big-name pass rushers, especially uh, in free agency this last year, have continued to underwhelm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Almost makes it seem like, Pete Carroll and John Schneider may have have seen this coming. That's why they didn't shell out for anybody, especially with the big, uh, the big, the bigger dollar guys, the guys like Clowney and uh, Dante Fowler, Robert Quinn. It's almost a blessing in disguise that they didn't have to spend that much money to get pass rush help that would have equaled what those guys have already brought in. Yeah, no doubt, and that's what is so fascinating about the way this season has gone, <clears throat> how different the game is, and obviously it's an offensive game, but there's no doubt that uh, you know the Seahawks needed to make the move on Carlos Dunlap, and they also need to make sure that they uh, you know get some pass rush and they go in against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Hey, coming up, we'll talk to Stacey Rost and get her thoughts on this game coming up against the Bills. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.